Welcome to Live at the Ballpark. On this episode, you'll hear the behind-the-scenes story of how a Cardinal legend and a future Hall of Famer made it to the big leagues right out of spring training. Um, Tony tells a great story about that spring where, you know, um, where guys on the team were coming to him and, and lobbying him, you know, for, for, for keeping Albert. And Tony was trying to kind of, uh, you know, I don't think he was, he wasn't anti-Albert, but he was trying to play it straight and, you know, trying to say, hey, the guy's young, he's got a lot to prove. And, and the players were saying, hey, you know, you got to take this guy. Welcome to Life at the Ballpark, sharing stories from players, managers and coaches, writers and broadcasters about their lives around baseball, from the sandlots to the big league ballparks. Hi, I'm John Frost, and my guest today is Ben Fredrickson, sports columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com, as he shares about his life at the ballpark. This is part two of our conversation. So, Ben, what's it like for a sports writer when the answer to almost every question you ask is... I don't know. Yeah, and it's it's frustrating for them. Anything we say, anything we project, anything we guess, and that's fine to do. We guess about a lot of things. We guess which team will win the World Series every year. But they're just guesses. They can be informed guesses or they can be off the top of your head guesses. But until the people who are you know, in the big chair make decisions about you know, what crowds look like, of when we can start, getting together again, not just as fans watching games, but as people playing games. Um, until some of those decisions are made, then all we're doing is just guessing. And it, what you'll notice is the people who are being cheered for being quote unquote optimistic, they're the ones who keep having to push their timelines back. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I would feel worse about throwing a date out there that then is, you know, turns out to be way too optimistic because then I look like I got people's hopes up. Yeah. I think the only thing I've been saying is we don't know. And and the people who, the people who will know first, they don't know yet either. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyone who's pretending that they have a, a better idea than, than the governors who are in these discussions and the you know, health experts who are on the front lines of this thing, then I'm okay saying that they know more than me. Mm-hmm. Um, college football coaches should try that approach because <laughs> some of them are making themselves look kind of silly, I'm afraid. <laughs> Let's switch subject for a minute. This is good stuff. Um, how'd you fall in love with baseball? Take me take me back to the moment when you were growing up in Sedalia, Missouri, when you fell in love with baseball. Well, I was always uh, I played baseball growing up, and you know my it was for me. I think the reason I fell in love with baseball was because it was a, a, a way that my dad and I spent a lot of time together. Mm. Um, he coached my little league teams and, uh, you know, for him, he worked a lot. He was at his office a lot, but he would go from his, from his office to pick me up and we'd go to, you know, we go to Centennial park in Sedalia, Missouri. and He'd help coach my, my little league teams. So that was time that we spent together that, you know, I cherish, um, you know, my dad, um, he didn't, his dad died very, very, very young when he was a kid. So he was really teaching himself baseball while teaching me, mm. which I didn't really learn until later mm. in life. But, but that was probably when, why baseball means a lot to me. Um, Sedalia growing up, you had, you know, obviously a Cardinal influence. They were a little bit, you know, farther away, but you know, we were of oh, the Royals influence as well. Um, so depending on which friend's house I was at, we'd watch one of those games, um, mm-hmm. depending on which trip, you know, which side of the state we were going to, mm-hmm. we would get to Cardinals games or get to Kaufman. You would always get a better bargain at Kaufman because the, you know, the, the Royals were so bad. 
you know, you could really make a family affordable trip to go and get a hot dog and all that stuff. So we, <laughs> we did go to Kansas city quite a bit for those reasons. Um, and it was a little bit closer, but yeah, I had both influences, um, growing up. My, my mom was a Cardinals fan because her sister, um, her sister Raymond was a huge Cardinals fan. So they had a family connection to it. Um, so yeah, right in the middle of the state, which was kind of looking back a great thing because I got to, you know, watch Marcus Allen play for the Chiefs, and then I got to feel like I was, you know, a part of the the Rams winning the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. not to say I was fair weather, but uh, I, I did kind of just have a way of bouncing between all of the <laughs> Missouri teams. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what was the transition for you? How how did you? When did you first decide that you wanted to be a sports writer? Well, I, I was a sophomore in high school, and we had an awesome. Uh, yearbook teacher who also helped run she was the leader for the student newspaper um at the time her name was mrs lewis she's um she is she's awesome and she was kind of you know i guess more or less recruited me to be a part of the newspaper staff and i um i said okay you know i'll give this a shot and i'll never forget this but she told me she gave us an assignment and she said go out into the school and find something that catches your eye and that interests you and you're going to research it and write about it. Mm. So I thought, okay, whatever. And I just went over to the gym and I walked in and I noticed that, you know, in our trophy case in our school gymnasium, we had, you know, there's this old retired basketball uniform and it belonged to a guy named Kim Anderson who, you know, would later go on to be the, uh, be the uh, coach of the Missouri basketball team. He was a, went on to play at Mizzou, um, played in the NBA um, was a longtime coach at Central Missouri, and he was an alum of my high school, Smith Cotton High School in Sedalia, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know much about Kim at that point. I didn't know he had played in the NBA. And as I started to research him, I thought, man, that's really cool. A guy from my high school went on to play NBA basketball. Mm-hmm. Then I thought, oh my gosh, he's coaching down the road in Warrensburg, you know, 30 minutes from Sedalia. So I actually called him and did an interview with him, you know, and it turned out that he used to write for the school newspaper. And it was just, you know, my first interview, oh, wow. I was like shaking. I can, I'll never forget how scared I was. Yeah. And it was, it turned out to be great because later on, um, when Kim got the job to coach at Mizzou, I was covering Tennessee and I'll never, ever forget seeing him at the first SEC men's basketball media day where we overlapped. And I said, Hey, Kim, if I don't remember me, I told him who I was. My dad actually knows his dad. So we have some connections there. We, you know, both being from Sedalia and in his dry, sarcastic sense of humor, he said, well, you got here a lot faster than I did. <laughs> After that, I was hooked. I would try to pitch stories to the Sedalia Democrat, our hometown newspaper. Um, eventually, they I think they got sick of me pestering them and said, hey, you play football. Um, you can write a Sunday article about um, the Friday night football games. So I would go play in the game Friday night, my senior season, and then on Saturday, I would wake up and I would write basically, a, it, was, it was a column. I mean, they ran it with my photo and everything um, for the Sunday paper. And that was kind of the first time I thought, okay, this is cool. I can write something that shows up in the paper and people at church come up and tell me they, they liked what I said or didn't or whatever. You know, like that was my first interaction with that. And I thought, okay, I want to do this. Um, and my dad was going, you sure you don't want to be a doctor? Um, <laughs> but at that point, I think he knew it was, uh, I think he knew it was too late. So Happened to live in a state with a really good journalism school and uh, got there at Mizzou and um, really realized once I was there that I probably had no business 
being there. I mean, my friends were from in the school were from Chicago and 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 Dallas and you know L.A. and they had come to Missouri to learn about journalism. And I was from an hour down the road and thinking, okay, I should probably try to pay attention here because I think I think I stumbled into something pretty good. So that's basically uh, how it got started. You've covered the Cardinals through many successful years. Do you have a favorite Cardinals memory? Oh, man, yeah, a lot. Uh, so I was an intern when I was at the paper in 2011. That was my junior year of, of college at Mizzou, and I was the Rick Hummel intern. Okay. And basically that meant I was kind of in charge of not getting in anyone's way. Um, <laughs> and I tried to more or less kind of you know not, not screw anything up. And I'll never, ever forget being in Tony LaRusso's office. I actually talked with Tony about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I walk in, first of all, it's Tony LaRusso, right? So like already kind of at that point, a little intimidated, you know, and I walk into Tony's office, I turn the corner and sitting on Tony LaRusso's desk is Bob Knight. And I'm like, well, I was already intimidated to come in here yeah. and see Tony LaRusso. And, yeah. and now it's, now it's Bob Knight hanging out with Tony LaRusso. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So that was kind of a, a whoa moment. Um, and, you know, that was that was a, an awesome, awesome summer, 2011, for obvious reasons. Now, you remember the Cardinals were not the hottest team in baseball in 2011. Um, Albert Pujols had been hurt, you know, in that collision at first base yeah. uh, with, in the game against the Royals. And he was going to miss some time. And when I left to go back to, to uh, Mizzou when, for the, you know, the next semester, my dad said to me, um, and he reminds me of this all the time. He said, so they have a chance. And, you know, me knowing all of what I knew of covering a few games over the course of the summer said, I don't think so. You know, they're really in a tough spot. I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. And so my dad likes to remind me of that. Every time I pretend I know something about sports, he reminds me that I counted out the uh, 2011 Cardinals, which were, of course, you know, the last Cardinals team to go on to win the World Series. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. He, likes to, he likes to remind me of that one. My first year announcing the Cardinals in spring training was 2001, which was Albert Pujols' first year. Oh, pretty good and, year. Yeah, and I, li- <laughs> I like to be able to say that I announced Albert Pujols' first home run, even though it was an exhibition How about game. that? Hey, and, that counts. Yeah, and you may remember that in, in his debut, as you bring up Albert Pujols, in his debut, he had only played a, a dozen or so games above Abel. When, when he came into spring training, and I think the only reason, Rick Hummel and I have talked about this, the, the, I think the only reason he was in spring training is because Bobby Bonilla was hurt. Yeah, pretty remarkable. And by the grace of Bobby Bonilla's injury, unfortunate for him, but, but pretty, uh, pretty timely for Albert Pujols and, and the Cardinals in general. Um, Tony tells a great story about that spring where, you know, um, where guys on the team were coming to him and lobbying him, you know. For, oh, is that right? For, for keeping Albert. Oh, oh yeah. Wow. I mean, he was. Tony was trying to kind of, uh, you know, I don't think he was, he wasn't anti-Albert, but he was trying to play it straight and, you know, trying to say, hey, the guy's young, he's got a lot to prove. And, and the players were saying, hey, you know, you got to take this guy. You guys, you got to, you got to acknowledge what you're seeing here. I mean, it wasn't Albert Pujols, but there was, there were maybe some shades of that. Um, a couple of years ago with Jordan Hicks, um, you know, Jordan had gotten into some trouble earlier in camp and he had slept through an alarm or two and was dealing with some timeliness issues. And he kind of got in the doghouse and they sent him, they sent him to, back to the minor league side. 
And um, the y- Yachty and some of the guys were leaning on, you know, we're leaning on the team to say, hey, this guy's got the stuff to help us in St. Louis. You know, let's give him another shot. And they did give him another shot. And he didn't he didn't end up playing um, much. I don't think he ever I don't think he's ever pitched in AAA. Jordan hasn't. Um, so every once in a while, a guy comes along with the kind of stuff where, you know, the, the major leaguers will say, hey, you know, let's let's. You know, we get it. Everybody's got to pay their dues, but this guy's pretty special. Um, Mark McGuire was the, one of the guys who was pushing for Albert with Tony Larusa, and, and he he tells a great story about about Big Mac giving him kind of a forearm shiver to the back after one of the Albert Pujols spring training home runs, where he said, "Yeah, this guy belongs with us." <laughs> Coming up next, Ben Fredrickson of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch shares what baseball may look like when or if they play ball this season. Absolutely. Yeah, I would much rather get back to wondering about the future of Dylan Carlson and Matt Carpenter's <laughs> chance for a bounce back yeah. than trying to trying to predict when we will be yeah. playing baseball again. Yeah. We, 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 I was tired of those questions yeah. the last time I saw you, but I would love to have them back now. Wouldn't it be great to debate whether <laughs> Dylan Carlson's going to make the club? Yeah, he's, now he wants to know if there will be a game to play in. You're listening to this podcast because you have an interest in baseball. If you own a business, what do you think people who call you have an interest in? Yeah, your business. So you need a message on hold. Now, tell your callers about your products and services, locations and hours, special offers and more with a message on hold now. We've been providing telephone on hold messages since 1992, and we can do one for you. Get your custom message on hold now at messageonholdnow.com. Messageonholdnow.com. And now back to my conversation with Ben Fredrickson, sports columnist for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch and stltoday.com. I hope you'll subscribe and share with your friends. Back before spring training was, was uh, you know, was lorded over like the uh, you know like a prison yard. Rick, one of the Rick's favorite things would be to jump on a golf cart and ride around with Red and oh, go yeah. to the backfield. Oh yeah. And Rick, Rick, Rick has great stories about you know going to see Red, watch so and so, or going to see Red, and, and he would just you know Red would just say nope, yep, yep, nope. Mm-hmm. You'll see that guy. Yeah, you'll never see that kid again. And yeah. he would never ever say that about a kid publicly, you know. But his his talent evaluation was pretty legendary. You know, Rick's got some of that too. I mean, Rick is Rick is old school, yeah. and and I love him. You know, I I, I think the, he's one of the. I'm so blessed to be able to share a press box with him, and I've learned so much from just and and he's got his views on things. I mean, he he doesn't love some of the modern stats, and and we have great debates about what matters and what doesn't. And I love it, but he will see something in the guy and go, yeah, that guy that guy's got got it. I mean, he was Rick was one of the few guys talking about. Tommy Edmond before he did what he did last year. That's interesting. You know, and we would watch him last spring, and he would say, "This kid, he's got speed. He's he can do a lot of different stuff. He's got some surprising power." And he was always kind of saying, "Hey, don't write this kid off. He doesn't look like much, but he's a player." And then, sure enough, look what he did. <laughs> Let's assume that the you know we we start playing ball, and you know we start talking about stuff that you and I really want to talk about, which is how's the club look and who's going to be playing what position. It's interesting because if you and I had had this conversation right before spring training, what I would have asked you was this. The Cardinals are going into spring training as the division champion with four 
major question marks. The question marks are the leadoff hitter, the cleanup hitter, the starting rotation, and the closer. And by the time we finished spring training, even though it was abbreviated, I think a lot of those questions were already answered. Well, the there's certainly the first options have been answered on, on a lot of them. Um, and in some ways, the the one one of the ones that seemed like it was answered will now be probably back on as a question once and if they get going again. Um, and let's start there, the, the rotation, because it sure seemed like they had it pretty much lined up when Miles Michaelis got hurt and he was going to be late to the party. Yep. Um, then with, with what Kim and what Carlos Martinez had done, then those were your starters and you throw them in there with, with Adam, Jack and Dakota, and that's your group. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and, and until there was reason to reconsider what miles was going to be, then that's what you were going to move forward with. Um, now with, with Michaelis having time, and that forearm a chance to heal up, then he's going to say, hey, I'd like to be in this thing. Mm-hmm. And now that Carlos Kim conversation will be back on. Yep. So we'll see you know, who handled that time the best out of, out of those two. Probably could be someone else. But uh, you know, the other question then becomes Adam. And you know, this is a unique time for him. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly he wants to pitch again, but you know, we're talking about a guy who's, who's pitched a lot. And now all of these guys, it's not just Adam, it's all these guys who have had this massive wrench thrown in their mm-hmm. their 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 program and their mm-hmm. progression and who handled that the best who can avoid injury someone's get, across baseball pitchers are going to be getting hurt mm-hmm. because they've had to completely redo their their training program here mm-hmm. so that's going to be a big story mm-hmm. cleanup I think I feel relatively confident about and and Paul DeYoung mm-hmm. I thought he had a great spring he did very interesting because he was one of the guys last season. I wouldn't say criticized, but he he was vocal about some of the um, some of the I guess rough patches in the transition to you know the Jeff Albert way of hitting. And this spring he has been a 180 from that. He said he's he and Albert are on the same page. They've got it figured out, and he loves what he's telling them and loves what he's learning. And clearly it showed at the plate in spring. I mean, talk about a guy who couldn't get through spring fast enough. He was ready to start putting up home runs in those games that Mm -hmm. counted. Um, He looked ready to roll. Um, And I have a lot of confidence in Colton as a leadoff. I really do. Mm -hmm. I think Colton is to that point in his career now where he is not trying to be something he's not. Um, He knows what he is and he doesn't feel like he has to prove what he is to anybody. Other than you know, other than he has to play his style, I don't think he's worried about you know having a, a day without a hit or walk turned into a day on the bench. I think he's past all that and he's got a, such a good relationship with Schilt that I think he's in a good place. As long as he can stay healthy, I think that will be the the main thing for him as he as he moves forward. It seems like every year there's a hamstring issue or something that gets him to miss some time. So that'll be the big thing for him. And you know the 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 closer is something that I just think they're going to throw names at it until something sticks. And then when it doesn't, they'll spin it again. And eventually they're going to have Jordan Hicks back. Mm -hmm. Um, What they've got is a ton of young guys with a ton of talent and a lot of guys you can throw really hard. So (laughs) that's a great thing to have. And in this day and age, it's probably better to have that than it is one guy who's quote unquote proven because it sure seems like those guys are breaking down a lot more than it seems like the best closers now, other than a few truly elite ones, are guys that we that grow into the role 
as opposed to guys who've been there and done that because Mm -hmm. the way that it's going for aging relievers is is not a kind place and the Cardinals have Mm -hmm. certainly had some bad luck in that department themselves. The question, I think the biggest question, and I don't think we'll have an answer for it until games count, is going to be, I think the, it's it's almost two-part. It's the, it's the offense. You know, it's what held this team back, what yeah. held a very solid and well-built team back last year in, in a lot of different areas. The offense and, and probably the biggest component of that offense, I think, will be the outfield. Um, you know, Dexter had a bad spring, um, and, and he's got to get it going. And Harrison is a great defender, but he, he's got to lay off the junk stuff. And whoever kind of emerges in this left field competition, I think, has a chance to spill over into different outfield positions if these guys don't hit. So that was the biggest question that I had going in, and I, it was probably still the biggest question that, that I have coming out to. But isn't it great to even talk about baseball in a normal <laughs> sort of way? Absolutely. A- yeah, I would much rather get back to – wondering about the future of Dylan Carlson and Matt Carpenter's <laughs> chance for a bounce back yeah. and trying to trying to predict when we will be yeah. playing baseball again. Yeah. We, 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 I was tired of those questions yeah. the last time I saw you, but I would love to have them back now. Wouldn't it be great to debate whether <laughs> Dylan Carlson's going to make the club? Yeah. yeah. He's, now he wants to know if there will be a game to play in. Yeah. So it's funny yeah. how, uh, it's funny how things change. It is. Well, Ben, this has been a kick for me. I I, I highly respect you as a columnist, and it's been great to have you sharing about your life at the ballpark. Well, thanks, John, and thanks for caring. Um, It's been fun to talk about, and uh, I hope, fingers crossed, that that we're back together before, I guess, what Camp 2 is what they're calling it unofficially. So let's hope it happens sooner rather than later. Listen each week for a new episode. I hope you'll subscribe and share with your friends.